0: Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. I always say evening, no matter what sort of like. I start on WIP usually at 2 a.m. and I say evening, and then I'm like, hey, it's you know Friday morning. No matter what time, I say fun and game director fun and games for the evening. I don't know. Most people listen to night, right?
1: The, the weekend hockey games where J.J.'s always like, it's a great night for hockey, and then it's like, oh, afternoon. Well, he's
0: probably talking about the games that are on after the Flyers, so it makes sense.
1: <laughs> naturally, naturally. <laughs>
0: uh, we, have, we have a pretty good show for you playing today. I don't know, it's nothing special. No, I think it'll be fun. Uh, season's approaching, and I don't know. Starting to get that itch a little bit. I said in the chat last night, I was like, please put stuff in the outlines. I'm not in hockey mode. But then I got myself in hockey mode a little bit. Starting to look forward to the season. Uh, so let's lead it off as we always do with the introductions and start it out with Stephalicious D, Steph Driver.
1: So I wasn't sure what I was going to say to start off the show. Uh, it's September and they're, they're just, as soon as September hits, it feels like there's something different in the air like it's starting to cool down a little bit football is coming back hockey is starting to get ramped up again baseball is on its way to going away forever like they're just there seems to be something different about september and i'm really excited about it and also charlie and i are wearing the same shirt (laughs) recording today and i think that's very funny who wore
2: it
0: best
2: it's true. We we are both wearing the purple hockey fights
0: cancer flyers shirt. So, and in an odd coincidence, Kelly Sponsored and I by Toyota. Kelly and I both wearing a Samoa Joe t shirt. So it's
1: true.
0: <laughs> it's not true, but it's funny. <laughs> Bill is though. To be clear, yeah, yeah. Uh, Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Uh, from the Athletic Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, I don't
2: really have much aside from the fact that <laughs> the Flyers are coming back. You know, rookie camp is this week uh, on Thursday is the first day. And then there's going to be two rookie games in Allentown against the Rangers rookies, and I will be covering both. Uh, and I will be staying uh, the night Friday night in scenic Allentown. So Ooh. I mean, back to traveling. Y- you gotta love uh, that that destination.
3: That's
2: I, had great... I had a great
3: White Castle.
0: I had a great. I had a great burger in Allentown when I went for the AHL All-Star game. Uh, mm. It was a bar right across the street from the rink. It was delicious. Can't remember what it was called, but it was awesome. Uh, last but— the, s-
1: the, Sorry, the arena up there is just beautiful. It is. Really? Really it's very nice. So very the press nice. box— it's, it's in the middle of the city, and there's nothing around, but the arena's beautiful. Really, nice,
0: The press yeah. box is so spacious, especially if you're used to like that little alley that they put you in. In uh, the well, I haven't been to the Wells Fargo Center press box in forever, but is it still a little alley chuck that you just have to squeeze into? It is not the most spacious in terms of
2: space when you're sitting down. No, it's not like let me put it this way I've been in more cramped There's press worse. boxes, yeah,
0: but yeah, it's, it's not you don't have the most space in the world. Last but certainly not least, the fly by yourself, Kelly Henkel.
3: I'm starting off completely off topic because I'm curious about something. Chuck, where is the press box in Madison Square Garden? Because they have those weird, like standing room seating on the area, seven bridge train. things up, up top. Where does the press sit?
2: So the press box at MSG, I actually love. Um, so basically, you have the uh, the upper level of seats, and you get access to the press box basically by walking around that section and then you go up a little bit and then the press box is basically just like this big hanging thing and it's awesome it's an, it's actually oh, it's kind that of like a thing yeah and it's it's oh. it's double it's double layered and my favorite part about it by far is that they literally have TVs in the like your desk area so you can like look down and watch replays like literally right next to your computer it's it's awesome
3: that's fancy
0: Great press box.
1: So, but fuck the Rangers. Well, I mean it's
0: it a is nice, a train station.
3: It's a nice train station. It's yeah, a pretty it's, nice train, it's a train a station.
0: Tremendous train station. It doesn't have it's a Wawa, Uh, but it's it's okay. Um, I just want to take a moment before we actually begin, you know, the meat of the show, to reflect on the show and us as a team. This is incredibly uh, you know, self-gratifying here, but forgive me. Uh we're about to begin our seventh season together. Um I, I know, I know. Uh, our first episode as a team uh, was published on October 13th, 2016. It was a preview of the 16-17 season. So I wrote it out. So it's, it's, this is seven right here, twenty two twenty three. 23 Our seventh season together as a team. Uh, we've been through, you know, Hackstall, Gordon, A.V., Yo., and now we're on to John Tortorella. Uh, we've been through the pandemic. Oh
1: my god! Yeah. no wonder we have PTSD. Yeah,
0: like everyone's. Oh, you're so negative. I'm like, okay, well, this is what we've been doing for seven years now. Uh, <laughs> we've never had a good. Do, do people no? Do
2: people actually say that you're too negative?
0: Yes. Because,
2: see, yeah. it, it, it's funny because it's. If I, I mean, if, if if I get anything, it's that I'm not negative enough.
0: It's. I mean, it's like. Nine out of ten agree with me, and then one troll is like, oh, and we're going to get into this one thing I got on Twitter a little bit later. But, yeah, I do get it a little bit. But we've been through a pandemic, a CBA extension, somehow without a lockout, uh, a bunch of draft and festivist parties, four missed playoffs, two first-round exits, and the bubble. Uh, we went to Vegas, shout-out fans of Philly, a week after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Uh, we went mm-hmm. through Hextall to Chuck. We're counting down to the third general manager. It's just a matter of time. We're closing in on our 300th episode of just BSH Radio, the flagship show as a team. Uh, we started at 79, uh, the four of us, and this is episode 371. Uh, not to mention all the other content we've done together, solo or you know, as a team. We've got over 1,300 episodes uploaded to the pod feed, uh, and we had a Patreon. The count doesn't include any of that, because it was just exclusive to the Patreon. Uh, And I gotta say, I still love this show. Uh, I'm really proud of how many other Flyers podcasts have launched since we started. Thankful for everyone who listens to us, even in the fucking off-season, and even when we're as pessimistic about the outlook for this team as we are. Uh, I'm just uh, proud of the community we've helped curate. I'm actually looking forward to covering this season, even though... I think the team is as bad as it's been over the last seven seasons, but, you know, maybe they'll surprise us. I'm, I'm, like, saying I'm not in hockey mode last night actually put me in hockey mode, and, man, seven fucking seasons. It's pretty impressive that we've done this, and uh, we don't all hate each other, like, it's still... I'm happy to see when, like, I hear the little doorbell on Zoom. I'm like, oh, hey, look, it's Charlie joining us. What's up, Chuck? Yeah, even Charlie. I even enjoy talking to Charlie. Uh... (laughs) Well, I'm just. Well, uh, I, I, I just wanted to just wanted to give everyone their flowers before we start.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'll
2: I I'll give a, a little uh, a little funny tidbit from that first show because I, I actually I'm not even sure if you guys remember this, but the original plan for the flagship Rush Street Hockey show was that I was not going to be a full time member of the podcast. It was going to be because Steph and, uh, Steph and Bill were coming over from Sons of Penn. And Kelly was, Kelly was going to be on every podcast, and the original plan was that I was going to be on the very first one, and then I was going to come on occasionally, like maybe to do like a segment <laughs> of, you know, hey, like this is what I've seen around the team or whatever, but I came to do the first show, and I think part of the reason why it was originally going to just be three people is because we thought that four people would be too much. It would be too many people, too unwieldy, and we got and to on the first show, <laughs> and we all kind of looked at each other. And we're like, this works. Like, does everybody agree that this works? And kind of like, yeah, it does. Like, all right, I guess I'm on
0: the podcast full time, too. It's it's incredible because Charlie doesn't even work here anymore.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I was so I was so when Charlie told us that he got hired, I was simultaneously so happy for him and terrified that he wasn't going to be able to do the podcast anymore, because this is my favorite thing. And the four of us together is what makes it so good. And losing any of us would make it not as good a show as it has been.
1: I feel like we threatened Charlie with bodily harm <laughs> if he left us. I'm, I'm pretty sure that happened. I mean, kudos to Charlie um, with, like, practically the first thing he did at his
3: brand new fancy job at The Athletic was make sure that he could still do his podcast. <laughs>
2: yeah, I
0: negotiate that into my contract. Yeah. Fucking great. <laughs> and, and here like we he are. Can still
1: hang out with his friends.
0: Here we are on the precipice of, uh, like, 22-23 season, our seventh together. It's just, it's just wild how much everyone's life has changed, and, like, we're still doing this, and I'm really excited to get- Over
1: the past- I'm sorry. Over the past seven years, we've all bought houses. Mm-hmm. Two for Bill me. Bill has gotten married. Yeah. Two for you, too. Two for Kelly. Well, in fa- Two for me. In
2: fairness, I have not officially made the purchase yet. That happens
3: later this week. We're we're close, though. We're close, we're close.
1: Practically there. We're close. We've had one international move. We've had one national move. Ah, you
0: crossed the Mason-Dixon line. You basically moved to another country.
1: We've we've suffered alongside every single listener, and we have celebrated that one three-month stretch where the Flyers were actually good. Together, and I, I when I put this show together, when we came over from Sons of Pen and Bill and I were a package deal, um, we had already been recording together what for two, three years. A while, yeah. So, so Bill and I are coming up on like our ten year anniversary. <laughs> um, I haven't seen him physically in in two years. <laughs> um. I never, I never, I never expected us to still be here at this point in time. I don't think I expected the world to exist seven years later, if we're being really honest. But what we've been able to accomplish is, is definitely something that we're, that I'm super proud of, um, no matter what the comments say about me personally as a as a co-host, I don't give a shit. I'm still here, and I I'm not going anywhere because these are three of my best friends in the world. And if I can't talk weekly about how this hockey team makes me want to light things on fire, then I don't know how to be a hockey fan. <laughs> I just don't know how to be a hockey fan, and that's what this show is for me. Yeah, we follow the team, but also... This is my fandom.
0: So, uh, basically, basically as we finished recording last week is when the, uh, Tortorella serious concerns quotes oh, yeah. started to make their rounds on the old social media platforms. And I'm pretty sure they were from the day before, but like they put out, you know, they put out the tweet with, you know, the, I do have serious concerns about the locker room and everything. So I want to get into a little bit of that to start just because, you know, we all made our comments on Twitter, uh, but we got to talk about it here. It's not like uh, Bill Meltzer was right in that, you know, he tried to throw a little cold water on it saying it's, this is nothing new, but there was the new element of since I've been around the team, since I've been talking about the players, like it's no fucking secret that there's locker room issues that there needed to be a culture change that the effort and just everything last season was not right and everything for the last two years has been falling apart in the organization. But now Tortorella is inside. He's talked to the guys. He's met with them. He's seen how, the, how everything functions. It's been months since he was hired. And he's reiterating these serious concerns. Um... That is a little, I don't know, cause for alarm, because once, like, I know all this. I, a, a, any person who's had a modicum of interest in this team for the last two years knows all this. Uh, but it, it's interesting he's saying it out loud now, right? Like, okay, I've been so. around, and I, uh, this locker room's in shambles. That's basically. why it was
3: surprising to me, mostly because not only is it coming from the inside now, but it seems like most of the flyers have been in town doing flyers things for like quite a while now. And I kind of thought that whatever locker room bullshit was lingering, even after Claude Drew left. And of course it was all his fault, but I kind of expected that they would like shape themselves up, just, like, with Tortorella there. Like, just him being present would make them less shitty. But him saying it so emphatically makes me believe that, like, no, they're all just acting exactly the same way as they did before, and that seems like a problem.
0: Uh, Maybe it's not so much that they're acting shitty as it is, like, he sits down and has an honest conversation with Cam Atkinson, who he knows from a previous, you know, stop, and Cam is just straight up with him, like, Oh yeah, here are the problems. Maybe he talks to Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes and Scott Lawton and guys who've been here for an extended period of time, and they're all like, "Yeah, things are fucked up." Like it could be that, and not so much True. them just being dickheads to the coach. You know, a week into him being around, <laughs> and, I, it's totally possible. Anything's uh-huh. on the table with this team. Like I'm just saying, like maybe it isn't so much. Oh yeah, I went into the locker room and they all fucking hate each other as everyone every veteran has told me there are there are culture problems here.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I'm going that sense. was my read on the situation. Sorry Kelly, okay. I think I cut you off. Um yeah, that was my read on the situation. Like there are some serious problems here, but like we're here to fix them. We're here to work on them. I've identified them and and it's concerning. But, like, that's how I read the comments. I read the comments as John Tortorella Tortorella saying, yeah, I see what you guys have been talking about. This shit sucks. Like, this is bad. That's how I read it.
2: Okay, so I'm going to jump in here because I do think, and I understand why, because, quite frankly, everyone that follows this team is just ready to, like when yeah. something negative comes out to just be like literally, the world is on fire, and these guys fucking hate each other, like that really isn't true this is not this is not the Winnipeg Jets where everybody fucking hates each other, where it's a total disaster, but there are problems I mean, I think a couple of the a couple of the things that are legitimate issues number one there absolutely is an issue with accountability in that room there ha- there has been for a while like the, that that's why i think like this is it's a little bit more nuanced than just being like oh they all hate each other but there's an a- there's absolutely an accountability issue on a lot of levels number 1 i do think that we've heard about this a lot over the last 2 3 years about how tight this room is and i think that's honestly kind of true in the sense that it's part of the problem anything- yeah. If anything, these guys, for the most part, like each other too much, too and yeah. no, much. no one is actually willing to kind of hold someone's feet to the fire. And then
1: I will. Then I'll do it.
2: The problem is, is that a couple guys that do, namely, uh, uh, there's one defenseman on this team who, to his credit, has been willing to call people out of the room. Then is not necessarily good at it when other people point out when he's messed up? So there's, I mean, literally Kevin, we can
1: just say it's Ivan Provorov. We've been critical.
2: Kevin Hayes straight up said in his availability earlier earlier this week, he basically said, if you try to hold people accountable and then you don't hold yourself accountable, no one's going to listen to what you had to say. And I I mean, I, I have a feeling I, I know what that was directed at. Maybe not. It was, maybe it wasn't entirely directed at Ivan Provorov, but like it's, it's undeniably, like, what's what's happening in that room is that some people aren't willing to call anyone out. And the people who are sometimes aren't willing to accept when they've messed up and they get called out. So, everybody just kind of is, like, walking around on eggshells a little bit. I think that's true. Number two, I do think that the last couple years, there has been a bit of a conditioning problem. I don't think—I think guys think they're in better shape than they are— But in reality, they could be preparing a lot better for seasons. And that, again, ties itself in with the accountability problem, where if you don't have someone who's willing to be like, hey, you know, maybe you should have showed up to camp in a little bit better shape, because what the fuck, dude, then people are just going to continue to maybe not show up to camp in great shape. And then maybe that's, that could possibly play into the injury thing.
0: Like that's what I, I was about to say. There's no way. And like, listen, it's a fucking contact sport. There's a frozen rubber disc flying around. There's maniacs like Rasmus and who are just looking to catch you with your head down. Like injuries are going to happen, but yeah, there's no way. There's no way. A team has this sustained I- injury problem without conditioning being somewhat of an issue,
3: and and they're not they're not trauma injuries. Like these are conditioning injuries. This core muscle shit is because you weren't ready to go.
2: I mean, not like, always, but look, I, look. In the end, a, a player we're not training the right everything, way. Everything, yeah, doing everything they can to kind of tip the odds of not getting hurt in their favor. And I think that over the last few years. That maybe hasn't happened with, a, with some guys. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying that on the whole, this team, I think, could be in better condition. And they haven't been for the last couple of years. And I think we've seen it on the ice. And Turderell is going to come in, and he's going to put a stop to that, I think. I mean, at the very least, he is going to make, it, make this camp hell. And they all know it. I mean, they know. That's the consensus. You want to know why everybody's back in town already? It's because Tortorella basically told everybody, I strongly encourage everyone to be
0: back in town early. (laughs) And like every single interview, every single player availability, every comment has included, we are ready for an extremely hard camp. We are ready to be pushed. We know like this is going to be the coach trying to, it's something that happened to us in high school. Like, we would always come in completely out of shape and you know it would the coaches would go let's make them throw up today like that's <laughs> uh, uh, that's what's going to happen and i do think that kind of feeds into maybe some of provorov's issues listen we all have our issues with provorov on the ice no one can dispute how hard that motherfucker works like oh, this 100%. could be yeah. this could be the camp where he kind of this could be a great opportunity for him to kind of take charge and kind of prove what he is and prove to the coaching staff he's ready to take a next step and everything. Like, I I could see him getting on the right side of the coaching staff because, you know, he's been pushing tires up mountains like Rocky (laughs) Four all offseason. Like, I I just... I'm looking forward to hearing the reports from this camp and how... How hard Tortorella is on this team? I really, really am. No,
2: and, and, and I really going back do to throw-up. yeah, but going back to Proverb, like no one disputes how hard he works, and no one disputes yeah, that he's a talented right. player. It's just that, I mean, there have been some issues in the locker room with him, and 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 like, not everyone on a hockey team has to be friends. Like, no. it's fine if some guys don't like each other. They just, it just can't, like, it can't be a bigger issue than that, and. When when it, well, Look, when a team loses, those sort of things are going to get bigger because yeah, everybody's wow. pissed off because no one likes to win. No one likes to lose. Like, that's what it comes down to. So, you know, if the team were to start winning, I'm sure that wouldn't matter as much because on some level, everybody in the team knows that Ivan Prover, when he's playing his best, a damn good hockey player. And everybody would love him to get back to that to that point. But it gets harder when you're not playing that well and then – You're kind of in denial that you're not playing that well.
0: Yeah, and I just um, like in terms of the accountability thing, this is again, it's it's nothing new. We've from from an outside perspective, we've all said there's clearly no accountability here. And last season, like just getting to the like uh, last season, I said, isn't it kind of fucked up that the locker room isn't more toxic? Like after the last two years, shouldn't Shouldn't guys kind of hate each other? Like, shouldn't Carter Hart be flipping out after every fucking game? Like, shouldn't he be like, it, it shouldn't take five tries to make one breakout pass? Like, it should, there should be some, there should be more animosity in the locker room because of how bad things have been. And you guys all laughed at me because the way I worded it, like, it's bad that they don't hate each other. Or, the, like, yeah, I... That is a funny concept, but it does speak to the idea of that walking on eggshells and nobody holding each other accountable because they're closer friends than they are like co workers.
3: Yeah, maybe we should be like the Winnipeg Jets. Just like maybe they should all hate each other. Just like
0: 10% more,
3: you know? Yeah, 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 that's fair.
1: You know what I think would be funny if they turned into the Ottawa Senators
0: God damn it. the year
1: that they were all making fun of the team in the cab?
0: And the Flyers were the only team worse than them at the penalty kill. Uh, An all oh, yeah. time, at all time, great. Just the maybe the height of hockey social media, right there. That was um, a really fun day.
2: On the the, the so... one thing I
0: do, I do worry a little bit about.
2: And, and as I said, I don't think this is a case of the locker room is broken and they all hate each other and all that stuff. But I do think that there are issues and. It it concerns me, and and I'm saying this in the like with the under the guise of basically being like, if the Flyers want to be good, we can talk about whether yeah. that's actually you know a possibility or whatever. But last season, going you know let let's let's turn the clock back twelve months. All right, by Joker. the end of by the end of the 2020 <laughs> 21 season, the, the the season that was shortened because uh you know because it started in January or whatever, the entire team basically had lost faith in Elaine Vino. And Chuck Fletcher made the decision that if he improved the roster and he built a team that could do what Vino wanted them to do, that that issue could resolve itself, and the team would regain faith in Vino, regain faith in its system. He didn't need to make a coaching change because Vino was a good coach, and it would all work itself out. Well, as we learned, it didn't. The team was real bad again, and they had to fire him. (laughs) I do worry a bit that, you know, you have these locker room issues. You have, you know, kind of some disconnects in the room. And Chuck Fletcher, again, really didn't do anything. Like... He didn't really get rid of anyone. He didn't make any sh- big shake-up trades to address the problems in the room. And I do wonder if we could be in store for kind of a redux of the Vino situation where Fletcher is just kind of hoping it's going to resolve itself and... If it doesn't, shit could get bad again. Like, he's thinking, well, is going to come in and change things. Well, is that that dissimilar than what he thought last summer, which was, well, we're going to get Cam Atkinson, and we're going to get the Rast- line, and they're going to change the culture of the room, <laughs> and we're going to bring in, you know, bring in Nate, Th- Nate Thompson, and he's going to make sure they listen to the, everybody listens to the coach again. Like, there are some similarities here in terms of, like, there being an issue that is real. And we're just kind of hoping that it's going to fix itself.
0: I well, will Chuck say, doesn't,
3: uh, Chuck doesn't do anything midseason anyway,
0: so it doesn't matter. That's the that's what I was going to say here. Like, there is an aspect of okay, let's give them this new coach. Let's give them this this do over because everything has basically been fucked since the pandemic. You know, let's give them this. Uh, and now, if they're still the exact same thing. If they're the same team with the same problems, if there's the same culture issues. One, Chuck doesn't get another coach, you know? he's He's out of here. You don't get three coaches. That doesn't happen. Not when you've had zero success. Um, He then, I believe, has... The players no longer have any benefit of the doubt. And he has carte blanche to sell anything and everything that isn't bolted down for pennies on the dollar like just blow it the fuck up then now as kelly said he's been real reluctant to do anything at all like i I mean even at this trade deadline when it was a sell 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 you know they held on to like martin jones you know like or did they (laughs) did they trade martin jones i don't remember No, they kept
2: they kept Jones. Yeah, they kept, yeah. They kept the one Martin guy. Jones. They, I mean, in fairness, he was the one guy they kept. Like they pretty much traded yeah. all the other I, I, aspirings. But. I know,
0: I know. They traded it away like... Justin Braun, and they got him back. Yay. <laughs> yeah, that's... no, they they got rid of Braun. God
1: bless. We need Justin Braun on this team. They
0: got rid of Braun. They got rid of G. Two things you absolutely had to do. Bassard, but... they traded him. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was I on the I forgot,
3: too. I forgot about him completely. He, he had before. that, like, remember how I... good he
0: was at the beginning of the year? Like, he yeah. was incredible till he got hurt.
1: I had something to say about them having to trade Claude Giroux. I've decided that they didn't. And I decided right. that maybe four weeks after they traded, not even that long. They didn't have to. They didn't have to. Not no, bad. they didn't have to. And and it I didn't mean, make any sense to if you're not rebuilding. It was like a, a dumb thing to do. It's it came, kind of, if if they, they were re- just rebuilding. gonna run it back again, which we've seen that's exactly what they did, they didn't need to trigger. Yeah, I do done.
0: believe. I do not want to have a serious oh well he was the captain. I don't want to have that conversation. But
1: But if, who is gonna be captain? D- <laughs> Charlie,
0: yes, do you, you have Steph. any thoughts oh on this? Thank you, Steph. <laughs> It's no. as, as Kelly, as Kelly pointed out so aptly, it's your mom. Um, <laughs> uh, that's not directed at you. That, I've done that before to someone whose mother passed away and it feels horrible every time. Uh, I
1: just decided to let it go. It was, I wasn't, I wasn't going to a, even be like my mom.
0: When I did it to a buddy in like high school, it was way more recent. Uh, It was uh, still a fresh... I was like, ooh, this is the worst thing I've ever said. And I've said bad shit before. I say it to my Uh,
3: uncle about my mom, who is also dead. He can see your mom all the time.
0: (laughs) Anyway, if you're going to have this cultural change that they believe they need, I am not blaming the locker room issues on Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux is one of the best players in this franchise's history, and there's no disputing that he single-handedly basically put them in the playoffs or in playoff contention every year of his tenure, uh, you know, post Richards and Carter trade. Um, that said, if you're going to change things, if it was time to move on. that's it, it was time for everyone to go, it ain't working. It's no one's, I mean, it's the organization's fault. It, but it was just time to move on. I do think they had to do it, and yeah, his no-movement clause complicated things, and his salary complicated things, but it was just time. It was never going to happen. It's a damn shame, but it was never going to happen, and it was just time.
1: It was the best move for Claude Giroux. It was the best thing for Claude Giroux. It was not the best thing for a team that was going to run it back under the guise of um, rebuilding. Yeah. I, it's a retool.
0: I, yeah, the, an aggressive retool. retool. <laughs> yeah, It's a retool, Charlie. My bad.
1: My bad. It's a retool, Charlie. Yeah. All
0: right, we're going to take oh a quick God. break and be back on the other side with more uh, lollipops and rainbows about this Flyers team.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
0: All right, welcome back fam. Uh here we are talking about these flyers as uh, rookie camp approaches. It's uh, it starts tomorrow, uh Thursday. Or if you're listening on Thursday, today. Uh and you know, we've heard a lot of comments come out from players as everyone's you know made their way back to town. They've met with the media. You know, and we've heard a very we've we've heard a lot of similar sentiments. You know, I said earlier like everyone's ready to go through You know, hell week, basically. Like, training camp is going to be real, real hard. Uh, And good. If nothing else, I want to see this team punished, you know? Even if they're 0% better, I want them to be as uncomfortable as possible. Just for, like, they owe it to me. The organization Mm -hmm. owes me to make this team feel some pain. Uh, So I'm looking
1: for- If it's not like Navy SEAL training, I'm not interested.
0: Exactly.
1: I'm not interested.
0: Uh, And- on top of the how hard camp is going to be, we're hearing very similar sentiments like Atkinson saying, it's going to be a different year. Hayes and Couturier, you know, we're out to prove everyone wrong. We're healthy. We're good to go. Everyone's down on us. The us against the world mentality. It is a tried and true trope in, uh, in all pro sports. You know, the new England Patriots are like, no one believed in us. Like, are you fucking serious? Like <laughs> every team, every team does the disrespect thing, but truly, Nobody believes the Flyers are any good, and they're out to quote-unquote prove everyone wrong. I hope they do. I have my doubts. Uh, Are we too down on, like, if these guys are healthy, If Tony D'Angelo, like I've said many times, there's a world in which Tony D and Ivan Provorov, yeah, I think that's a real good second pairing and not a top pair, but there's a world in which those two are a really strong complement to each other, at least on the ice. Um, Carter Hart could just take another step forward, and when you have a good goalie, a lot of bad shit doesn't matter. Are we too down on this team right now?
3: So when I read this on the outline, I was like, Huh. maybe we are. And I, I know I'm doing, I know that like subconsciously I'm doing the thing. It's September. I'm yep. getting ready to, to say they're going to win the this Stanley
1: Cup. This is Kelly optimism season. Um, the Green Day guys is.
0: asleep and Kelly Flyers fan is awake. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I'm wondering, okay, so here's the
3: thing. We're, I don't think anyone, us included, most fans is looking at this team in an objective way. And like, fair enough. No. 100%. Because they've been dog shit, like the worst we've ever seen in two, for two, the last few years. So, like, objectively kind of them. goes out. Yeah, it kind of goes out the window when you're looking at this kind of thing. But I, I do feel like on paper, stuff does still matter. And on paper, none of these players, over the course of their career, have been as bad as they were the last two years. So, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team is good stanley cup good you know colorado avalanche good tampa bay good no but they could be good like they could
0: what's good
3: they like a wild card
0: are they better than the rangers
3: no it depends on their stupid goaltender that's, like, literally That's the like, only thing with them. If, the goal, if, I mean, he, if he continues being like this, then no, they're not better than... than but
0: the they Rangers also players. have, like... They also have a player who's better than anyone on the Flyers roster in Artemi. Pim. They like, sure do,
3: yes.
0: Sure. I'm just... Let's, like, when we say, okay, they're not Colorado, they're not Tampa Bay, like, okay, nobody is. Those are fucking all-star teams. They're uh, not so the when best I, team in the division. Yeah. But when I look at good, I'm like, all right, what about these middle-tier... Like, are they better... And, and Washington has problems... Are they better than Washington? Are they better than Pittsburgh? N- no. So,
3: so here's the thing, though. But but answering that question, you're answering that question. I'm gonna get roasted so hard for this. You're answering this question based off of the last two years. Like it is
1: possible. But I mean, that's, that it's that's an by That's a lot you've got of, to use the data. That's a long
0: Amazon. stretch of time.
1: <laughs> I know, but it is possible
3: that this group of players could be. Better than a Pittsburgh Penguins Bottom five team, team. With, a, <laughs> with a declining core. I don't know. I'm just saying, I, I do think that you, you could make a case that we are, we are too down
1: on the team. So, I agree in theory. Like, there is a case to be made that we are too close to the team to see it objectively. There, like, There is a case to be made, but I think, or I know, what I'm getting stuck on here is Kevin Hayes saying everyone is healthy. Well, says who? Like, are you actually healthy? I don't know, and I won't know until I see That's you fair. play. And, and, like, and I don't know what that means.
2: And are they? Because Joe Farabee's still yeah. recovering from injury. Ryan Bobby Ellis Bobby is right. wherever Ryan Ellis is.
1: He's not and that's Ryan like- Ellis is in Narnia, and he's having a great time.
0: <laughs> no, and we're talking like Bobby Brink, who's probably gonna would have factored in as a middle six forward and one of their better ones because it's a team of middle six forwards. But he's one with like some upside that we like. Uh, Joel Farabee, who pencil in on a top line, and Ryan Ellis, who was the key to the entire offseason last year. Um, it was. These guys are all hurt already. It's really Couturier and Hayes. That's what we're talking about. The 1C yeah. and 2C yeah. but there is, are healthy.
1: But there is a case to be made. Like, there is a case to be made that, all right, we're, air quotes, retooling. But there <laughs> is a case to be made that, all right, well, these guys have played together for a while now. And they have chemistry and we're going to try to maximize on that. Like there is a case to be made, but also we have so many years of data saying that this doesn't work. It doesn't work. And also shit. I forget what I was going to say. Oh no, I remember now. So like, (laughs) all right, let's say, let's say everything goes right, goes perfectly with this team. And you guys talked about this last week. They're not a cup yeah. contender. Like, period. They're probably They're not, not the best a playoff. That we can hope for. The best we can hope for is a bubble wild card spot. Like, I just don't that's the best that this team can do.
0: And that's literally yeah. where we were when we started this seven seasons ago, guys. Like Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. We've no, been in the same I like spot. I don't
0: like that. I I think I think that
2: to me is and and that probably partially is driving the pessimism. Is that we've talked about this a couple times this summer is that the best thing for this team actually might be for them to be real bad this year. And if they're not, if they're good, which is possible, I, I'm I'm not going to go so far as say it's probable, but it's possible. And there's a pathway for them to be a good team, which basically that pathway to me is D'Angelo works, which again, I, it, I think D'Angelo working is probably about a 50-50 proposition. I, I do not think it is. As I, are I, all things.
0: Yeah, but but like, well, yeah, you you
2: say that all the time, and every time you say it, I wince because it's such an utterly ridiculous statement. (laughs) D'Angelo working, I do think, is actually about a 50-50 proposition. I can envision it possibly working where he forms a good partnership with Provorov, and he helps the power play to the point where it's at least not god-freaking-awful, and his defensive issues don't matter that much because Provorov covers for them. I could also see it being a disaster where him and Proveroff don't get along and he's a defensive wreck and the power play doesn't get better and they trade him. I I could see that happening too. But if... You know, I haven't thought of the
0: idea... I haven't thought of the idea of trading him, but the two-year at five... Like, it is possible to move Tony D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. It is possible.
2: Yeah, they could trade
0: him. Um, Yeah.
2: If D'Angelo works, that's number one. And then number two, like... This roster, in theory, especially if a few of the prospects that they have that are close to the NHL, if a few of them pan out and make an early impact as above-average NHL players, this roster could potentially be very deep. Now, yes, they are probably going to partially blow it because Nick DeLory is going to play 82 games because they need that physical presence, and that's yes, going to dry down the fourth too. line. But, but in theory, they, this could be a team that could roll four pretty good lines And could have three pretty good defensive pairings. And if you roll that kind of depth with a good coach, which John Terrell, I believe, is, who has them playing committed two-way defensive hockey, you can win a fair amount of games. And they could make the playoffs with that. They could. They could make the playoffs basically using the Columbus Blue Jackets blueprint, you know— without an Artemi Panarin, but like they have. They did yeah. they did it one year. They did it one year without Panarin too, and they're they pretty good. They did. Yeah. So, yep. yep. so that could happen. And that is a plausible outcome that I do not think is completely ridiculous. The problem is is that if all of that happens, is that actually a good thing for the long term? And I don't think it is because they have no clear path to getting the kind of players that will allow them to get any better than just that. Like I do not like it's it would not be a great thing. I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing because hey, it's winning hockey, you're getting to see some playoff games even if you have, have to watch it, it. The first round. Yeah. But like yeah, we have to watch it. So like it would be better than them being awful for another decade.
1: <laughs> but
2: like what's their ceiling? Their ceiling is being the Columbus Blue Jackets from 2016 through the year when the last year they were decent. And like I, yeah, I guess that's okay but we want to see them win a championship. And I don't know how this plan executed to the way that they're trying to execute it, how that gets them into that level. Other than, as I've said, just getting real, real lucky with the draft by drafting 14th through 20th overall every year. So like, that's the reason for my pessimism. My pessimism isn't driven by the fact that I think it's impossible for them to be pretty good. I think it's very possible. They could be pretty good. It's just that if they're pretty good... They'll never that be any better. Real, that they're never going to get any better than pretty good. Yeah. And that's not good.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> well, that's good. Now, uh, so I wanted to get into Chuck's offseason a little because I said earlier, like, yeah, I mostly get people who agree with me on how bad the team is and I think you guys are, you know, at least somewhat on board there. I did get a tweet because um, I, I, I criticized, you know, the Kevin Weeks thing. Uh, on social media. And I said, like, they did basically nothing to improve the team, blah, blah, blah. And I got a tweet from some loser saying, it must suck to be so... Yeah. It must suck to be so negative because I look at adding a top four D-man and a top four coach is doing nothing to improve the team. Uh, And I do. Because, one, you said top four D-man. You know why? Because he's not a fucking top pair defenseman. And when I have a B average, when I have a B average... And I get a b on a test, you know what that does to my average keeps it exactly where it is. The Flyers have a whole bunch of second pair defensemen, and they brought in another one like also I, I, I,
3: like John Tortorella, top four
0: coach that's a uh, top tier, not top four excuse me um, top oh, okay. tier
3: okay, I can see that
0: and like that's another thing. John Tortorella is. You know, going to the Hall of Fame, highly regarded coach. He's gonna bring accountability. He's gonna do all these things that we've talked about. He hasn't had a ton of success in like twenty years. Nope. You know, he won the he won the last cup before the lockout. Uh, he's been the coach of you know mostly hardworking teams that outperform expectation. Okay, uh, he hasn't been awesome. It's not like he's in the Final Four every year. Like he's he's done a good enough job with a few teams, uh, and like a bad job with the Canucks. You know, like uh, is he a top tier coach?
3: I just had a really funny thought. Like John Tortorella <laughs> is so perfect for the Flyers in every way. Like this entire organization is filled with people who were good before the lockout. <laughs> <laughs> no one that can do anything. No like lockout.
0: Beat the Flyers. Beat the Flyers in, like, one of their most exciting playoff series ever. (laughs) Like, and that was in 2004, you know? I I, I just, like, are we... But, you know, we've liked some of Chuck's off-seasons prior and then ultimately were disappointed in the outcome of many of those seasons. Are we, again, like two down like is adding d'angelo and tortorella bigger than we're making it out to be no okay.
3: I, look, like even because i'm i'm with you in that i do think that it's i might say more than 50 50 maybe like 60 40 that d'angelo improves Provorov, and that's a solid a solid pair like that is good but like it's not that good it's not Ryan Ellis good, and Ryan Ellis is dead. So, what if he comes back? Is this so, team? I'm just. I know. I know. I know. Oh God! You know what would? You know what would be so good? Uh, Ellis, Provorov, Sanheim, D'Angelo. Oh, and then Tortorello would never Risto, allow such a thing. <laughs> and then Risto uh york i guess on the bottom like oh that would be good
2: that would be a good defense it would be a good defense if, if they if could happened, get that would if, be they, good. if they get the nashville ryan ellis back that would be a legitimately good defense
3: i think that guy's definitely dead we might get like you know <laughs> 70 75 percent of nashville that's ryan, that's
0: ryan ellis becomes of... <laughs> um we were talking about the injuries earlier and kevin hayes i heard i saw a clip of uh you know martitius's flyers daily where he's talking to hayes and hayes made a point to say like he's talking about being healthy and how he was last year and everything and he didn't feel like you know the worst thing in the world is not being able to help your team win or not being with them when, you know, you lose. Like you don't feel a part of the team. Uh so he just wanted to get out there all the times he did even though he was clearly hurt. Uh just to try to be more part of the team. And I respect that. But he didn't but he did make a point to say, nobody forced me back. I made all the decisions on my own. To which I screamed at my phone, "We know when that's the problem. That's like the at problem? some point, at some point the professional athlete who believes in his self more than anything and believes in competing more than anything is going to lie to you and say, I can play when you don't even need to be a medical professional. You just need to have watched him skate one shift and said, he shouldn't be out there. He's not hurt. He's not playing hurt. He's playing injured. Like... That's a thing. That's part of the accountability that seriously needs to change. Uh, yeah. You can't let yeah. these guys make these decisions. Never. Yeah.
3: They're they're always going to say they're fine. Broken foot. They're going to say no. I can get out there. And in their and in their stupid professional athlete minds, they definitely believe. Even with my broken foot, I'm going to make the team better. Get me out there. And all right, cool. That's what makes you a professional athlete. But yeah, there needs to be an adult in the room to say no, you're going to hurt the team. You're going to hurt yourself. Go sit down.
0: Chemo team and risked his life with blood clots to win a cup with Chicago. These guys are fucking mental cases. There's no... Like, you have to take the decision out of their hands. When when Kevin Hayes said that, I was like, one of the major things that needs to change here is allowing these dudes to do this constantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: what I was saying when... Kevin Hayes is saying they're all healthy. Are you? Well,
0: Are you, bro? Uh, like, Couturier was, cl- like, Couturier's been cleared. and Like, because that's a medical procedure he had, and there's rehab steps, and it's something that gets checked on. Like, I just feel like Kevin Hayes, at a so- certain point, it was just like, I'm feeling pain, but it's hockey. I'm going to feel pain so I can play. And it was like, no, no, you can't. Like, look at you out there. Watch tape of yourself and tell me you look like you should be on the NHL right now.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's—I mean, that's just a fact. Like, I think, honestly, part of the reason why Hayes probably came back the first couple times is that, you know, you never—he's never obviously had this injury, this surgery before— and I think his thing, you hear from other people around the league that like, well, you have to loosen it up and it's going to suck for a while. You're going to play yourself back into shape. And I think his thought process was like, well, maybe this is just the new normal and I got to learn how to deal with it. And he, it was, he was in more pain than he should have been, but he didn't know that because he'd never been in this pain before. And yeah. he was playing awful. But he's like, well, I guess I just got to keep trucking along and hopefully one day I'll wake up and I'll start feeling better. And he never did. And then they found out he actually had this infection that was the cause of the additional discomfort, got that fixed. And then, you know, one thing I did learn the more I dove into his season when I did a season review earlier this summer is that I kind of poo-pooed a little bit the idea that he was a lot better after he came back uh, in March and April. And the more I looked at the numbers, like, no, he actually was like, he oh, wasn't, God, fu- he wasn't fully back, but like, no. he went from being about a 40% expected goals guy during that first 20 game stint that he tried he tried to come back. And then he jumped up to like a 47, 48% guy, which was about the same as the team. And like, that's the difference between like, you should be in the AHL and okay, you're actually on the right track and clearly getting better. And that gave me optimism that, like, all right, that's how he was after figuring out what the issue was and getting this infection taken care of. Now give him a summer to get even more healthy and get even stronger. Maybe they can get back the old Kevin Hayes. Maybe that's not completely out of the realm of possibility.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. But that being said... That, doesn't, that still doesn't move the needle that much on this team. Like, it, it helps. It helps. I mean, but. Lish? Like, I don't. All right. I don't think that this team is going to be as painful to watch as they were at the end of last season. No. Impossible. And, like, I don't think that they will be. No but they're team, still not going to be good.
0: No team could look good <laughs> without their top two centers and their top defensemen. Two thirds of that appears to be bad. Like, uh, I'm the last one who's gonna make excuses for this fucking team. I am still very mad at them. Uh, I don't expect. So <laughs> very I, angry at yeah, them. Yeah, I, I, I do not expect them he to He wants be,
1: to hurt their feelings. I do.
0: I. They seriously need their feelings hurt uh, because they've physically pained me the last two seasons to have to sit there and watch them and then talk to like the fans. I started the show off like thanking the people who listen to us. There's some sick fucking maniacs out there who <laughs> tune into my post game after these drubbings and want to talk about this team. Like this is a beloved institution in this area, and they're so bad. It, it, no one deserves it I, I feel like they now deserve to feel our pain but it is a new year and in the interest of this idea that they could be better than we think maybe like everyone's saying the right stuff and part of it is we want to get off to a fast start um say they do how well and for how long will they ha- like how well will they have to play and for how long will they have to do it before you think the team has, like, drastically changed either culture-wise or they're better than you think. Like, say they have, you know, they're 500 in October. Is that enough for you? Do you need to see, like, what would it take for you to believe that this team is not horrible?
1: I need a full season. Like, it's... I I need a full season. I will not be tricked like I was in 2020. I will not... (sighs) Go through that again. I need a full season. I need a full season. I
3: would need till I would say like Christmas. If they've been good through Christmas,
0: Disney on Ice, baby. That's always the measuring stick. Let's find out where they are during (laughs) Disney on Ice.
1: When they fuck up in California, yeah, that'll be then. Always, yeah. There was I have so in our Slack. I have we've got our own. Um, pins in our channel, but I also have my own separate set of pins for when people say really funny things. And I found one the other day that Kurt was talking about Rasmus Ristolainen and said he would change his tune on Risto immediately if he hip-checked Mickey Mouse's dumb ass onto Patterson. <laughs> and that was that was directly... About the the uh, Disney on Ice road trip. <laughs> all right,
0: that's a that's a pretty good segue there, Steph. We can do this because I'm trying to fly through because I know you have a hard out. Do you need this zoom? Thank you. Do you need this zoom for your?
1: I do oh, not. Okay. No, so I can hop off and you guys just can keep in case. Recording.
0: Uh, but Charlie, yep. uh, one of your more recent articles on the Athletic was about Rasmus Ristolainen and what the Flyers' plan should be with him. Um, yep. uh, subscribe and read it, you fucking cheapskates. We give you all this for free uh go go subscribe to the athletic it's like a dollar um if they're going to have I didn't read all of it I skimmed it uh just <laughs> to let you know I gave you the awesome at the end I always click awesome oh, even you. if I don't read all of it but I I'm, I'm just trying it, to though. I'm trying to think of like okay Ristaline we know what you know he's not great He's definitely even the team that's paying him this money recognizes he's not a top pair defenseman because when they needed a top pair defenseman last year, they fucking bumped up Justin Braun, who's 104 years old, instead (laughs) of the guy that they went on that they gave up a first round pick for and then gave 25 and a half million dollars to. Anyway, if Rasmus Ristolainen is the exact same player, which he probably is, because we have a huge sample size saying this is what he is, especially at even strength say he just puts up a ton more points than last year could Could you live with it because i'm sitting here looking at one a just totally talent free roster like i don't know if you can come up with 10 guys to make two power play units that are like (laughs) sensical so and we know that a lot of times a team will on the second power play unit utilize two defensemen if the chemistry between Risto and Sanheim is so great. And we want to finally, like, I finally want to see Sanheim on, like, some actual power play time. Ellis is a non-factor. Uh, hopefully they get it through their fixed goals that Ivan Provorov is not a power play defenseman. Can we please put Sanheim and Risto on the power play together? And if they're going to be, if Risto's going to be what he is, have him score 20 more points. Like, yeah, because he can. He's not a stay at home defenseman. I know he hits, but he's bad defensively. Very he's bad. actually an offensive defenseman. What if we utilized, oh, he skates so well? Well, well let's use some of that. Like, let's use that big shot. Let's use his body and his physical presence in the offensive zone. Can they please put him on that second power play unit just to make it make a little more sense that they're paying him $25 million to be a non-factor for half the game?
1: Wouldn't it be cool if they used players' skill sets instead of trying to make them become what they want them to be? That would be cute. Ah, That's a crazy idea. Wouldn't that be cool? It It would It it all...
2: In all honesty, Bill, like I don't really care if they wanted to use Rusalina on the power play. Like, do I think there are better options? Yeah, I mean, I I, I never love the idea of using two defensemen on a power on the same. Oh no, play I unit. don't love it. But like, if they want to, yeah, he can shoot. He's got some offensive zone ability. So yeah, I I I wouldn't say it's like the worst idea. To me, like I just don't. It's funny, and like I know we're we're I'm gonna have to watch it for another five years. Like. I'm just kind of sick of the Rissaline discourse, and and in truth, it's because like he kind of he is what he is. Yeah, they signed I'm trying him to maximize. So we're, that. Ju- we're like we're just gonna have to deal with it. Like he's he's yeah. dramatically overpaid for what he is. He's not that good. <laughs> if you put him with Travis Sanheim, he can be at least passable. Even though Travis Sanheim would be a lot better if he was with a better defensive partner, but like Sandheim is good enough that he can make Risto passable. So I guess like, we're just going to have to live with the fact that they're paying him $3 million a year more than he should be
0: getting. Charlie, you use the uh, phrase, you use the phrase for the next half decade in your article. And I, I like, I wasn't yelling, fuck you at you. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but I yelled fuck you, you when I read that.
3: <laughs> you didn't need to say it that way, Charlie.
0: Why did you respectful. have to, I
1: <laughs> I only report the I facts, gang. I think there's gang. also like a fair point to be made just real quick about Risto is he was not as bad as we expected him because of Sandheim. Be. Uh, because of Sand. Yeah. He wasn't our, as good as I expected him. To little Travi. Travis
0: Sandheim, who our, we might our Travi, lose. Who is
1: because our innocent little farm of boy
0: the best defenseman they have yeah yeah um
1: i i do have something really quick to say about the flyers and how you want them to feel the pain that we feel so i i again i think it's an important distinction the hockey ops side and the business ops side business ops oh they are feeling our pain they are having a bad bad time. time they are having a bad time hockey ops Probably not having a bad time because they're run by Chuck Fletcher. And they don't look at Twitter. Bob Clark and, doesn't and know they how. And think, they think that they're good. <laughs> yeah. But business ops are having a real bad time. But they also just opened, with Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, they just opened a rink in Kensington. And I think that's fucking no, awesome. I you love, know,
0: listen, Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, I will always, uh, that's, you know, that's a separate thing. I support it. Just because I hate the team doesn't mean that's not a, a, really, good, a really good cause that I very much believe in. Uh, bring hockey to people and they will like hockey. It's, uh, you know, it would help me professionally if there were more hockey fans. We'd make more money. Uh, so absolutely. And
1: Kensington is a great place to put a rake. Like, like, yes, let's help the kids that live in Kensington not be in the streets of Kensington. Uh,
0: real quick, just about their, uh, the social media stuff, because listen, I'm, I'm with you. We shouldn't be dumping on the social media people, uh, because they don't run the fucking team. Like Charlie, like people, like people are replying to Charlie, like, well, they could announce that they added, like, no, they can't announce that unless (laughs) Chuck Fletcher does it. They can't (laughs) make that happen. Like... So the things you want to hear yeah. aren't going to happen. The social media team still has to exist in some realm. I will say it is a ill conceived let's uh let's call it what it is. Fucking stupid idea to have Kevin Weeks, the guy who announces exciting things, announce Star Wars night. Like, yeah. every team does a Star Wars night in all sports, and guess what? No one gives a shit. Like, having the guy who's there who would have announced that Johnny Goudreau is signing, uh, having him announce Star Wars night is fucking mental.
3: It was... They do this a lot. There was a kernel of a good idea there. <laughs> the execution was just a little fucky. They're, they I, try. I think, yeah. They try.
2: I I think my my thing with that is that, like, this again, the anger wasn't at the social media idea. The anger, like, the Bill's argument as to why the Kevin Weeks thing was bad is that Kevin Weeks is known for breaking big news. Flyers did not give fans the big news they wanted, therefore using him was stupid. But, like, again, that's not, like, it's not social media teams' fault the Flyers didn't make a big move. Like, yeah, yeah maybe I guess they should have be they a little self-aware. Yeah, true. But, like, the anger isn't at the social media team. It's at the Flyers for not doing what yeah. you wanted them to do.
1: Yeah. Like, the, the, the reason said why i i We've a thousand
3: I, times. You're not mad at yeah. Comcast. You're not mad at Dave Scott. You're not mad at Gritty. You're not mad at the guy running the social media. You're mad at fucking Chuck Fletcher. That's who you're mad at.
2: Yeah. Like, and Bob and, Clark and, and I think and Paul part Henry. the reason, yeah. part of the reason why I like <laughs> jumped in, in defense of the social media people, I will freely admit is because I deal with this a lot too, where it's like, people are pissed off at the flyers. So they yell at me because they yes. need someone to yell at. And I actually respond to You're them. There. Whereas yeah. if they yell at if they yell at Chuck Fletcher, he's not going to hear them because he's the general manager of a hockey team who doesn't interact with fans on a regular basis. And I'll be honest, it's draining as hell having to deal with that. So I have a natural empathy towards the social media people who are having to get blamed for the failings of the front office when in reality they're just doing their job, which is separate from building a fucking hockey team.
3: So here's the thing. I I do agree with you. But, like, you're not the Flyers. Like, no one should be yelling at you, Charlie. You're a journalist. You're doing you tell a me, job. You tell me, you're Dave outside. Isaac doesn't make the lines. Yeah, you're outside. <laughs> the The person running at NHL Flyers, it is part of their job to get comments from fans. That, that is fair. No, and, pissed and, and, off. The yeah, one thing, and, the and, one and, yeah, time that they turned off the comments was a very bad idea. Very bad idea. Like
2: you, you
3: I. They probably don't pay you enough. But whatever they pay you, part of what they're paying you for is to absorb that kind of bullshit. If you don't want to read it, don't read it because you're not responding to anybody anyway. Just don't read it. But you have to take it. Like, that's what you got to do.
2: I, I think the distinction on my part, and, and maybe it'll strike some people as a subtle distinction, but to me it's a very big one. If, if, the, if at NHL Flyers tweet something out and a bunch of people respond with fire Fletcher, like – I hate this team, you know, you guys suck. Like, that to me is fine. Because fans have every right to express their dissatisfaction with the way the team is run, with the people Absolutely. running a team, with the players in the team, with just their general anger at the state of the franchise. Where it goes too far is when you start telling the specific social media people that they suck at their jobs and are bad and are emblematic of everything wrong with the organization, because no, you're not mad at them. You're mad at the team. You're just using them as an outlet to be mad at the team. And if you want to use them as just a way to yell general, anger at the team that's fine but when you make it personal and you're like no you specifically fucking suck and I hate you that to me is beyond <laughs> the pale and again this is because I have to deal with it like I get people who are pissed off at the flyers and because they're pissed off at the flyers are like you are a fucking terrible journalist you suck at your job your articles are trash you're you're biased in favor of Chuck Fletcher you're not hard enough on the team if you would ask tougher questions they will be held more accountable and that's the kind of stuff that drains the hell out of me after a long season so when i see the flyer social media people getting ripped on for those sort of things and getting that similar treatment i'm naturally going to feel affinity with them because i think that that is something that fans do on social media and in comment sections that they get angry at an avatar rather than the people who
0: they really should be angry at and like i do think that's
2: an important distinction actually
0: and like no one certain people charlie one you know you're both of the Charles club so obviously you have a you have that affinity towards each other and two <laughs> unless it, unless you went into the press conference and gotten his face and said I hope you get fucking fired people would go you're not you're not hard enough on him <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> some people will just never be satisfied with that sort of thing and it's people who don't understand what the job is. And I was
3: going to say people who have never had a job. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: got a um, job. just a couple of things, real quick. I wanted to touch on. Did anyone see this rumor? Because I just saw it today about Ivan Fedotov potentially signed a contract in the KHL. Yes, but like the team and everyone, like everyone's denying it. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that was last is- week. It was, I, last was it last week? Okay, I, I saw it. Pop, it today. it was, I popped up it last
3: week, and then and then there was some kind of weird like notes app denial from the KHL mm. team. But like, it <laughs> it tracks because the entire reason this happened is because they were punishing him for leaving the KHL Yeah, team. yeah. So the idea all... that he's being coerced into signing another contract with the KHL team, it doesn't, you know, wouldn't surprise me at all. My no, my I, understanding that's what I assumed
0: that... the end goal was.
2: Yeah, My understanding is that he's going to have, like, a, some type of legal proceeding in Russia later this month, and then there might be a little bit more clarity as to what happens next. Mm. I mean, at this point, like, look, it would be really cool yeah. if Ivan Fedotov ended up being able to come over and, and, and give Never the NHL a him. shot. I'm more just worried about just him the person. Yeah, like yeah. that. Like, my bigger concern is, like, no one even really knows where this guy is. Like, I just hope he's okay.
0: He's at the North (laughs) Pole, you know? No one fucking knows. Like, there's, he
2: did nothing wrong here. He just happened to be a really good goalie in a league that started a war of aggression against another country and is now trying to use certain players as political footballs. Like, he did nothing wrong. He's just a pawn in all this, and it freaking sucks.
3: And played for Putin's best friend's team.
0: Yeah, yeah, who didn't want to? Yeah, make it's it. and like and that's it's that team, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, just this. Maybe I'm one of. The, does anyone have strong feelings about the Jersey ads? Because I do.
3: I know you do, <laughs> and I, I, I get it, but also it's like the NHL sucks so bad at promoting its own game and growing it and making money. That if this is the only way that we can get a salary cap that allows for a team to be built in a way that makes any sense, then I guess we have to deal with it.
0: Over a billion dollars in expansion fees in the last five or six years, and a jersey patch is going to raise the cap? That's, okay, you make a fair point. (laughs) You, make a you can't even see it. Like, during the game, everyone like, I I don't even know how it's effective advertising or anything. Uh, well, just I just got to say. Well, just because you know it's
3: there. Like, you're not going to really see it, but, like, you know that it's there.
0: I well, that, hate and, and, this. And a lot, of it, a lot of it,
2: too, I think, is also because when people buy jerseys, it's on there, too. So then you see it every time that, you know, you see someone wearing a jersey in the stadium or whatever
0: that would stop me from buying a jersey. I didn't buy a jersey to support the fucking Royal Bank of Canada. I'll tell you that. I'm not going to wear some advertisement around. Like, that's... I would not buy a jersey for that specific... If it had that on there, I'd say no. I don't want it anymore.
3: Every Philadelphia Union fan is wearing a jersey that says Bimbo on the front.
0: And I hate soccer jerseys because of that shit. <laughs> it's one of the things that keeps me out on soccer. I'm trying to get in, Kelly. I'm really trying to get in.
3: I've gotten so far in, it's really fun.
0: Um I, but I do just like I hate this so fucking much. I see an ad patch on the Montreal Canadiens sweater and it's straight up blasphemous to me. Like that should absolutely be sacred. Like if the Nashville Predators want a sweater patch, okay. I I, I but really like, the Yankees of fucking hockey. You need a... You're the Canadians. You don't need to advertise. You're fine. Um, you know the old saying, play for the crest on the front, not the name on the back? Well, now that crest is brought to you by the Royal Bank of Canada. Like <laughs> That's just so fucking gross to me. I, like, this one thing I wanted to say, for all WWE's faults, and there are many, and Vince McMahon's a bad guy, all that shit, I'll credit them for one thing. They never sold the canvas in the ring. There are no advertisements on their ring canvas, and there never will be. Because that's the sacred space. And I feel like when you put on your team's sweater, that's just different than... Like, the boards are the boards. The ice is the ice. That's the team. This is what you play for. It's the thing you don't step on in the fucking locker room, even though it's on the floor. You all gather around it, and no one steps on it. Because it means that much. And now... Brought to you by fucking Pico Energy, baby! Like, I just hate it so much. So
3: let me ask you a question. Do you have a problem with, like, the Adidas logo or the Nike swoop or the CCM logo on the jerseys?
0: I, uh, on the bottom ring, on the bottom ring, like, where it used to be, like, the Eastern Conference and CCM, that's fine, Mm -hmm. because they made the sweater. It's theirs. But, like, New Era Hats started putting... We're not on video, so it doesn't matter. But they started putting the flag on the hat. And I think it's stupid as hell. Because it doesn't matter if... You're the only one who makes the hats. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't need to advertise. I already bought the hat. It clearly was effective. (laughs) I just... But I, I wouldn't do it personally. But I understand why the maker of the jersey is on there. Uh, I just, this is a whole other thing. But I I do have a free advertising idea, and this is really um, why I wanted to get into this whole thing. A local advertiser, like, say, our friends over at Clear Rum, sponsor a jersey patch, but it's a campaign to keep the jerseys clear of advertisements. We like our sweaters like we like our rum. Clear.
3: clear. You advertise advertise by saying
0: Uh you're not advertising. There we oh, go. Fuck,
3: that's a good idea. That's yeah. so
0: good. So can I? I'm, can I jump here in here, yeah, go Yeah, because jump.
2: I I was not given yeah. a chance to actually comment on this. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs>
3: sorry, I'm sorry. just saying,
2: you guys, you guys just kind of took over the conversation. I was just like, I can't really find a spot to jump in. Um, I I don't love it. I think part of it for why I can't muster any real anger about it. Is that just like I don't know? This just strikes me as just like the end game of capitalism. Like this is going to happen I, I inevitably. Just, like like when it, is is it everything... is it good? Is it good? No, no, it sucks. Because ideally there wouldn't be ads on the jerseys, and there's always that fear that like, like one one of my friends made the very good point that like this maybe isn't the like awful, but we still should complain and yell and scream about yeah. it just to prevent. The jerseys from ever going full European where like the entire jersey is covered in ads. Like, like Exactly. This is this is mildly passable, but like we gotta we gotta bitch about it because we can't let it get any worse because those jerseys in Europe are abominations. Like yeah, utter abominations.
0: I realize everything's a business. Everything's about making, you know, making one more dollar. I just want to know when our saturation point is. Like, the Toyota RAV, the final four minutes are fucking sponsor. Every save, the save of the game, the check of the... What is our saturation point? At what point is the world nothing but advertisements? Like, Kelly, you love Ready Player One. Like, you know, when they're talking about the corporate takeover of the Oasis, and it's like, we found we could fill 80% of the screens before inducing seizure. Like, is that what the saturation point is? Like, when people start dropping dead from the corporatization of America, is that when we find, when is it finally enough? How I much mean, advertising can we? How corporate does every single aspect of everything in our lives have to be? I get my drugs from corporations now. Like, god damn it, my drug dealer works behind a counter and asks for my ID. <laughs> 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 At what point is enough enough?
3: I, I mean, that is a, a very broad conversation that we could have about the state of America. It know. won't end until the Guillotine's come out. That's all I can say. I know. It, it it I mean it sucks, but like, you know, there are levels of suckage, and this for me is like a low level suck.
0: Uh, it, but it just when like it's the continuing, it's, it's a low level suck on top of like a million other things that low level suck. I know, I know. I just it's enough. <laughs> All right. I go to Models already uh, in Philly. You can only get your energy through Pico or some subsidiary of Pico that they call not that company, but it is because they're using the same goddamn uh, equipment. Like it's this, uh, leave me alone.
3: It is weird that Pico sponsors so many things. I have no choice in the matter. Yeah. I have to pay you. <laughs> like, yeah, are you it, it is fair. Or it's the alternatives like, yeah. what exactly have to pay is them. The point?
0: The what alternatives exactly? have to pay them because they use their infrastructure. What? Like there's the, they own everything. In fairness,
2: as far as like advertisements go, the Pico Power Play, like it's it is, it, like it's it's, it's exceptional. Like Lou Only Nolan do, Lou, Lou Nolan yeah. has yeah. made that a good thing.
0: Yes. Yes. Now, th- listen, and you can do stuff right like this clear rum idea. There's ways to do things without doing them bad. And this just like you know, this isn't gonna be a Wawa patch or like some local business. This is gonna be Pico. This is gonna be like some wah-wah. major fucking like thing. Like yeah, it's gonna be StubHub. Like it's StubHub, something. Yeah, I th- could totally. Or see DraftKings. That. like something that yeah. doesn't need uh, to penetrate yeah. any more of my brain than it already does. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're done, right? Are we done? Already. Yeah, I think we're done. I think we're done. All right. And that out. is and, <laughs> yeah, and that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to click that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It takes like ten seconds. Uh, and tell a friend. Maybe do the same thing. I maybe sign up on multiple devices Spotify I bet you're not following us on Spotify go ahead and do that all right uh, for Charlie for Kelly for Steph my name is Bill Matz have a great week everybody are you ready to talk about sports yeah!